long story short, she got into a cooking competition with a demon named Vincent. <laughs> is this wait, is this canon? This is this is real. <laughs> Vincent. What, Vincent. What kind of essentially, essentially she lost the cooking competition. Right. And Vincent said, here's the deal. You're going to cook a new meal for me every single day. And as long as I love it, I won't take your soul. And so she did. And by the end of her tenure of like being a demon's cook, he loved her food so much that he asked her to stay behind. And she said, nah, I'm out, homie. And uh, took all of her took all of her meals that she made for the demon, Vincent, and put him into the underworld cookbook. (laughs) This is real. Her name's Demon Vincent. That's a great question. (laughs) Hey guys, welcome back to Casual Commander. I'm your co-host, Tim. And I'm your co-host, Chris. And today we are going to talk about some very exciting stuff. We are going to discuss the... Uh, legendary creatures coming out from Modern Horizons 2. Uh, we're going to focus mainly this episode on the legendary creatures. We're just going to do an EDH-centric discussion first, you know, because that's that's our bread and butter. That's really all we know. But we are uh, planning on talking about just Modern Horizons 2 as a set once we get through the meat of all the cards and everything, What like how we, how we feel about them, how we think they're going to work. Um, but right now... We're just going to stick to the legendary creatures or, or planeswalkers that can be your commander because there is one of those in here that I'm very excited about. So, so yeah, that should be a good should be a good episode. I'm pretty excited about it. Chris, how, how are you feeling about it? I'm looking forward to this one. Like Tim said, we're going to be talking about all the legendary creatures that can be your commander. Um, we're also not uh, <clears throat> we also want to try to focus in on uh, commanders that are not reprints. So basically new new legendary creatures out of this set. So the three legendary creatures we are not going to talk about today are Braid's Cabal Minion, because she's banned. We're not, And then we're not going to talk about Chainer or Titania, because they are both reprints. Um, so if you wanted to go look up a ton of well-designed decks for those guys, I'm sure you can find whatever you need on EDH Rec. So, a lot to cover today. Tim, do you want to you get started right into it? Yeah, um, yeah, we're gonna start off, I think, with the the mono blue commander, Spyaloon of Sea and Sky. Uh, she is one and blue blue. Uh, she is a legendary merfolk god, and Spyaloon of Sea and Sky has indestructible as long as you control at least two other merfolk. Whenever Spyaloon attacks, I'm I'm actually gonna have trouble with this. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever Sviyelun attacks, draw a card, and other merfolk you control have Ward 1. So just starting off, uh, she seems obviously geared towards being a merfolk tribal commander. Like What? Yeah, I know. Uh, this might come as a surprise to all of you people who aren't as good at magic as I am, but I think they're trying to make her the lead of a merfolk blue deck. Like, just mono that's, blue. That's crazy. Yeah, Where'd well, you get that idea? It just comes with experience, Chris. It's just something you're, you know, you're not born with it. It comes from just looking at cards, reading what they say, and then guessing as to what they're for. Wow. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you're my partner in this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Remember, yeah, the, the disciple has become the master. I am now... 
teaching Chris about magic. I was going to say, I don't think there's, there's really not much to really talk about with her other than she's kind of a merfolk captain. Right. Yes. And I know a lot of, a lot of players have been asking for a merfolk, uh, like a merfolk centric commander. Here it is. It's, it's pretty good. You know, it's three, four for three mana is a really good rate with indestructible and the draw attack or drawing on the attack. So you probably just want to put whatever merfolk you have, right? You want your hull breachers, you get your uh, your lords for merfolk. There's master of the pearl trident. There's merfolk sovereign. It's in blue. The only downside I see to this is it's mono blue. So you can't have your Thrasios or Zagana Utopian Speaker, any of those merfolks, no Tatiovas. But honestly, like if you do choose to put Thrasios, Titan Hero, Triton Hero as your commander, Svialun would work great in the 99. Yeah, she she seems very solid. Like she is a she just seems like a good card. Um, I would not call her interesting, really, by any means. Like, she doesn't do anything. She's got a couple of things that I think, like, make her stand out a bit. Like, she gets the indestructible, so she's got nice protection on her uh, when you have two other merfolk. Uh, Drawing cards is always a good thing. And, you know, mono blue just doesn't have enough of that at all. So, thank God they got another card for it. And the ward... um, Ward is, is interesting. Like it's it's a little pillow forty pay. It's more ward one, so it's not like that bad. It's yeah, but but the nice thing about Merfolk is there are a lot of them and they're cheap, right? So you just yeah. you throw out a ton of Merfolk. I was gonna say if you already have a Merfolk deck, maybe she'd be good as as the commander. Like maybe replacing who you've got, um, unless you like you're saying you're having you have a Merfolk who's. Uh, two colors or, or more, in which case just throw her in the 99 because she's good, but probably not enough to lose the other color. I mean, Merfolks are typically Simic. She does, she's not going to have the ramp that green brings. She's she's good, but I think she's better in the 99 than a lead. Yeah. I'm All right, moving yeah. on. I want to make an interesting note. There actually are no, as of the time of recording this episode, there are no mono white legendary creatures. Yeah, White no. has a lot of really cool tools that we'll talk about in a future episode. But right now, there are no mono-white legendary creatures, which I thought was interesting. Uh, yeah, they've brought in a lot of cool, like you said, a lot of mono-white tools. And and they've got a, a few mono-white creatures, just like standard creatures, that I thought were really cool. But yeah, none of them are legendary, which is kind of weird. No love for mono-white commanders this time. It's commander. When does mono-white ever get love? But that's that's they had a chance and they, they had their chance. <laughs> they had their chance and they they didn't. They, they blew it. Wizards woke up and once again, like they do every day, and chose to not help out Mono White in the Commander world. So, let's move to the next color. We're gonna move to black. We have one Mono Black legendary creature, and it's a fan favorite. It's Turok Dread Cantor. For one in the black, you get a two-one Human Cleric. It also has Kicker. Black, black. He has protection from white, and whenever an opponent discards a card, put a plus one, plus one counter on him, and when he enters the battlefield, if it was kicked, target opponent discards two cards at random. So, I sure see a lot of discarding in this deck. Yeah, I would I would think that that would be the best way to play him. I think you're going to look at things like Go Blank, the new card from Strixhaven, the one that target player discards two cards, then Exile Graveyards, you're going to want Waste Knot, Bone Miser, cards like that. 
Bottomless Pit is another really good card. Oppression is a really good card for this deck. The the only problem is you're you're essentially turning him into a Tron. I was right? I was gonna say that yeah, it's a, a weird way of making a Tron commander. Yeah, because you just like make everybody discard. You give him plus one plus one, and then you swing out. You know. Yeah, but like black isn't really the best for Tron. So sure, you're gonna make your opponents discard their hands, but like you, great, you're gonna put some counters on him. But they're still going to have creatures on the battlefield, right? Like, I feel like he needs some upside to discarding. I think he's going to be really good and limited. I don't know if I was running him as a commander, I would rather run like a Tiny Bones because Tiny Bones gives you that card draw, right? So whenever, whenever you, when an opponent, if an opponent discarded a card, you get to draw a card, and it has the payoff. It's got the four to black to do t- ten damage to any opponent with zero cards in hand. Yeah, he, I mean, Mono Black Tron, I feel like, could be good, especially if you're, like, discarding. You, mono Black has a lot of ways to force opponents to sacrifice or get rid of creatures. Like, uh, Rogue's Passage, has it's a land, so it has no color. Like, there, there's things that, like, in Tron that, like, make Tron good that Mono Black can benefit from. Like, all the equipment and everything in there. It just seems like a weird way to make them Tron. You're like, yeah, I mean, you don't have your ramp, so you can't get the big beefy equipment out, right? You don't have many in- auras or enchantments that you could use, so you're gonna you're gonna buff him up a little bit. So you're just gonna essentially have a slightly more powerful Torak because your opponents get the discard cards, and then what are you gonna do with it? You know, you don't get the draw. You're gonna have to put expensive cards like Frexstein Arena or. Um, necropotence in a deck like this to make sure your hand is filled so that you can still cast the spells you need. Yeah. I I personally, just like just like uh, the Sphileon, I think he's going to be better in the 99. Can he work as a commander? Sure. Are there some interesting things you could probably do with him in the sense of the discard Tron? Probably, but I, I don't think that he's, he's, he's going to be a limited bomb. Definitely if you do sealed or you do draft, if you get him, he's going to be real good. But I don't think he's going to lead any decks of mine. Yeah, I don't. I I don't look at him and think he does anything that I want at the helm. You know, like he's he seems like a cool card. I would probably throw him in black decks, but I definitely wouldn't um, build one around him. All right, so I think um, that's all we're going to say about about Torok, and I think now we're going to move on. That was the only mono black commander. I think we're going to move on to mono red now, and we've actually got a couple. We'll start off with Ragavan Nimble Pilferer. Nailed it. <laughs> a fan favorite. Is he, I guess, not new? Is this like a new or just... This is new, but there was a pirate that she, he was on, Carrie Zev. It was, it was um, Aether Revolt, right? <clears throat> that whenever the pirate Kari Zev Skyship Raider attacks, you make a legendary 2-1 red monkey creature token named Ragavan. Oh, that's cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. And it exiles at the end of combat. Well, did he do anything similar to what he does now, or was he just a token? And you just It was next- just a token. It was just basically when you attacked, you got a second thing you're attacking with. That's kind of cool. But it's a 2-1 red. So it's a 2-1 monkey, right? But this this Ragavan is dope. Yeah, so um, I'll just read him out. Ragavan, Nimble Pilferer. Uh, he just costs one red. And then he says he's a legendary creature, monkey pirate. Whenever Ragavan, Nimble Pilferer 
deals combat damage to a player, create a treasure token, and exile the top card of that player's library. Until end of turn, you may cast that uh, You may cast that card. And he's got dash for one and a red. So I kind of like it. Um, dash is fun for a card like this. He is like more expensive with dash, but like dash is kind of nice. You just bring him out, uh, create a treasure token real quick, exile the top card of that player's library, and then and then just you get just uh, just get to cast it with your now with your treasure. As a commander, though, does I'm assuming dash. Oh, so you could dash it from the command zone and then it returns to your hand. You got it. Oh, that's actually really cool. He seemed I I'm liking him more and more the more I like sound it out. Yep. This is this is a commander that's going to benefit a lot from treasure generation, right? Mm-hmm. Cuz you're going to be you're going to hopefully attack people that have no creatures and get to cast their cards. And the only way for you to be able to cast them is with the treasure cuz he's mono red. So if you're not playing another mono red player, you need those treasures. So you're going to need a bunch of treasure generators, right? Gold span. Gold span dragon. Brass's bounty for all the lands that you are going to have. Dockside extortionist, I'm sure. Dockside extortionist, because we all have lots of money. I was going to say, if you've got $50 have, to we drop. We lots of money. Yeah, I mean, I think he's really neat. I think he's just like Torak. I think he's going to be a limited bomb. But again, I think with these monocolor commanders, they're really focusing more on what's going to help modern, not necessarily thinking about commander, right? So that's kind of why we're talking about them first. Because I, I don't think, like, these are going to be great. Like, he's going to be amazing in a pirate deck. I don't think he's going to be good helming a deck. I think there are other creatures that do what he does better. The dash is nice, right? But you're not going to be dashing your commander. You're going to want to be playing generator things, right? Like, you're going to want to be able to generate more tokens, generate more cards, card draw, treasure tokens every turn. And eventually, your opponents are going to have a creature to be able to block, and a 2-1 isn't much of a body. Yeah, You'd have to find ways to to sneak him past, really, or or buff him up so that people don't want to block him. But I, at the same time, they'll probably take that risk of like not letting you do combat damage, even if they have to chump block with something maybe that they didn't want to. So you're right. It's I I don't know how easy it is in mono red to get things that let you just bypass blockers entirely. But he still seems cool, though. He's definitely the more interesting of uh most interesting one we've talked about so far. Yeah, I think so. He's and he's a fan favorite. Who doesn't love a good monkey pirate? Yeah, plus look at all the look at all his treasures. Right, his 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 uh, extended art looks really really cool. Well, that does it for Ragavan. Uh, moving on to the second legendary red, we have Captain Ripley Vance. For two and a red, you get a three two human pirate that reads: Whenever you cast your third spell each turn, put a plus one plus one counter on Captain Ripley Vance then it deals damage equal to its power to any target. Tim, what do you think? I, I think it's interesting, but I I really don't like whenever you cast your third spell each turn. I think it would be very cool if, it's, if it said after whenever you cast a spell after your third spell or after your second, because you do it once per turn, and if she starts getting out of control, like she's going to get hated off the board as soon as, as soon as she starts to get fun, right? So... You don't even have the potential for that, like, you drop her, she's your first spell, you play another spell, and then you just, like, storm off from there and, like, do, like, one explosive turn. Um, I just, I, she seems interesting, but I don't think she's very good, frankly. Like, Yeah, I think the only way that you really could build her are the, the low mana cost buff spells, like Infuriate, 
right? Because it's not often you're going to be casting three spells a turn. And so the only real way to get her to work is a bunch of really low-cost stuff. I mean, granted, you can buff her up with a couple Infuriates, and then, boom, she does. she's at 12, 15 or something like that, and you can do 12 damage to someone's face. But like Tim said, it's only when you cast your third. It's not when you cast your third or more, right? So it's you get it once per turn. Can you figure out ways to do it on other opponents on opponents' turns? Maybe. Red has a lot of ways to cheat stuff out, so that's really good. Um, but yeah, I just like Tim said, I think she's going to be good in the pirate deck. I don't think she's going to be a good head of the head of the pirate deck, and she's also only mono red. Right, you, you have all kinds of colors for pirates. Pirates are really an is it or even a Grixis color, right? If you stick to mono red for your pirates, you're really limiting yourself there. Yeah, I agree. She, they made her a captain, and she's not going to be helming any of my decks. Wow! And the crowd goes <laughs> wild over that fantastic joke. Oh God! We have peaked as a podcast. Um, this is it. We're done. Thanks everybody for listening. Uh, that's it. Goodbye. We, we're waiting for this exact moment. <laughs> this whole podcast was a clever ruse to talk about this commander and for me to make that joke. And now we're done. How are you going to spend your millions, Chris, after we get famous from that one joke? Buying magic cards. I mean, yeah, let's be honest. That's exactly <laughs> that's what we're, we would. If we were to ever make a dime off of this podcast, it would be reinvesting in our horrible sound setup. And then after that, it would be buying magic cards. <laughs> yes. Sponsors, help us build more decks. Yes, please. So we can have more talks. <laughs> I do got to say, I really enjoy the artwork for this card. Um, going back to Captain Ripley Vance. she Yeah, she likes her cannons. Yeah, it, it's very... I, I like it. It fits like what the, her, her mechanics are supposed to do, which is just like you're just shooting a crap ton of damage at one person's, uh, one person's face. But yeah, I really like it. I think it's a cool looking... She Her head is way too close to that one cannon, though. She would be decapitated immediately. And on top of that, she would be deaf. They're silence cannons. <laughs> yeah, they Don't got... you see the silencer? That, those are all just silenced barrels. Oh, yeah, I see. Yeah, the grooves right there. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. It's not It's not a boom. It's a... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she comes from a card from Ixalan, right? I, one of the things I really like about this set, uh, the Modern Horizon 2 set, is they're doing a ton of throwbacks to old cards. Right. So Ixalan is getting referenced here, right? Because because of the one card that I think she basically had one card in, in Ixalan called uh, Vance's Blasting Cannons. So good job for them. Right. Like Torok is referenced on like two or three cards. So good. Good job for Wizards of the Coast coming out with a ton of just really unique, cool throwbacks or call outs to existing stuff. All right. That does it for red. Tim, how about mono green? Oh yeah, we're getting into the meat of it. We're going to start off in mono green with Thrasta Tempest's Roar. And this is a big, beefy boy or girl. It costs 10 and green green, and it's a legendary creature dinosaur. And it says this spell costs three colorless less to cast for each other spell cast this turn. Uh, It has Trample, Haste, and Trample over Planeswalkers, which I, I have never heard of this before. I don't know if this is new completely or not but i've never heard of it uh which says this creature can deal excess combat damage to the controller of the planeswalker it's attacking so essentially if planeswalker's got like one loyalty counter left and this does it's it's a seven seven you hit that it does six damage to the player like that's awesome 
I think this is the first time they've ever done that. It it's, was actually one of the things Mero teased. Oh, so really? It's definitely, it's definitely a new thing. Yeah. And the last part of it says, Thrasta Tempest Roar has hexproof as long as it entered the battlefield this turn. I like this card. This is a fun, this is a Timmy card. This is a fun Timmy card. This is a Timmy card. It's, it's a giant lightning-infused dinosaur. This might be, honestly, if I pull this, this could be my first monocolored deck that I build. I don't know how I would build a deck around, like, it's literally... Hydras. Hydras, yeah. Or real cheap stuff. You, you, yeah, you put a bunch of elves in this deck. Yeah. Yeah, you elf, you put a dump, bunch of dumb mana dorks, you get this out quick, right? If you can get this guy out turn four, that's some hefty. Don't Go know on. what you would do with him after that. Yeah, he, d- he doesn't really have anything fun going for him after his first enter onto the battlefield. But I do, I do like it. Trample haste. You know, I love me some trample and haste. It's a seven seven dinosaur, so. Not much is going to be standing in its way, uh, especially if you reduce the cost as much as you possibly can and get it out as early as possible. Um, the Trample Over the Planeswalkers is a kind of a niche thing. It, it's really the only thing it's going to do is when you finally get to use it, you attack a Planeswalker with it. You get to go, oh, cool. It's going to also do damage to you. Um, Take this to damage. Exactly. I just I like it. I don't think it's that good, if I'm being honest. Like, it's definitely not bad. But I don't know what 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 it's I don't know what it is about it. It's a big giant lightning dragon, and I can't look away. The art is really cool. Oh, the art is great. The art has been pretty spectacular on on most of the things I've seen. I should I shouldn't say most of almost everything I've seen has at least looked like really cool. But I think this one that just with the lightning striking him, and he's all like, "I'm gonna I'm gonna trample your planeswalkers." That's crazy. So he could be fun, but again, I think another one of those that's better in the Dinosaur 99. But at the same time, if you're playing Dinosaurs, you know, you're not probably not casting four spells a turn with the Dinosaurs. Unless you have ways to cheat them out, like Cascade or something like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I agree. So that's it for Thrasta. Moving on to the other mono green commander, which I actually think is kind of uh, is definitely a very interesting one. It is Ave Progenitor Ooze. Two in green, green, green for a 2-2 ooze with storm. When you cast this spell, copy it for each spell cast before this turn. Copies become tokens. Ave Progenitor Ooze isn't legendary if it's a token. And he enters the battlefield with a plus one, plus one counter on it for each other ooze you control. I like this card. I think this card is going to be a lot of fun in ooze decks. I can see casting a ton of real cheap stuff again. You know, what if what if you... You, you have a, I mean, green is going to ramp. You're going to get a ton of ramp. You can have a bunch of big beefy hydras in there. You can have your elves in there. You can have your your rocks and uh, heck, this would do great with like a Salvala. You could put uh, the original Omnath in here, right? And just get tons and tons of green mana. You just start slapping cards down and then boom, you just throw out Ave. You make seven copies of Ave, all of which get plus one, plus one for every other ooze it enters the battlefield with, right? So, like, you make seven sevens plus all the other oozes you probably already have. So, I, I think Ave has a real, a really high potential of being a pretty cool commander for ooze tribal. Yeah, there. I, I really like it as well. I think it's, it could be very cool. Um, a couple of things stand out to me though. Number one, it is five mana for a two two. Which, if you're casting it the right way, that's not a huge deal. But if you're trying to storm. 
you need to have a lot of mana already to cast enough to to bring it in and like have it be be really big, right? You're in green. Yeah, but I guess green doesn't have a lot of way. Green doesn't have any any way to like copy things. It does have like ways to to double your mana, which is always good. So you definitely have ways to do it. But I think it needs a little help getting set up, right? Like you're not gonna cast. Sure. This- I mean, that's that's why you you play the mana dorks. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, you. If you're gonna storm with him, you need to have a lot of mana on the board. You yeah. need your rocks. You need your mana. Exactly. Um, the other thing that sticks out to me, and I'm assuming I could be wrong about interpreting it this way, but I'm assuming each token comes in stronger than the last. It's storm. You create a copy, so they all go into the stack. Yeah. So one will come in as a two-two with one plus one plus one on it because yeah of the first ave. Yeah. And then the second one will be. Uh, four four then a five five then a six six i mean i do think that's pretty cool um obviously it would be way better to get a bunch like five ten tens on the board instead of you know one four four one five five but it's still a really cool card i think it's a really cool concept i think it'd be very fun to see that just like pop off i think it's it seems kind of balanced right like it seems like it's got very clear drawbacks but it also has very clear benefits i think it could be if you play it right i think it could be a really cool card how would you like him with a foreign clex monstrous raider on the field? Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> uh, no, because he it's plus one plus. No. Oh, it is a counter. No, sorry, I thought mm-hmm. it just said plus one plus one. My bad. So then, then yes, <laughs> <laughs> yes, please. Yeah. All right. Well, that does it for the monocolored commanders. Um, nothing, nothing too crazy in there. Definitely a bunch of really good stuff for limited and modern. Remember, this is a set designed for modern. Right, like they're not designing these commanders or these legendary creatures for commander. So yeah, yeah. there's some interesting things in there. Nothing really that looks like a crazy, crazy strong card. Um, Svialun, I think, would be the most likely to see play of the monocolored commanders as the commander. Uh, So yeah, what do you say we moved into the multicolored now? This is where the the meat and potatoes are. I say let's do it. Let's go. All right. Yeah, let's kick it off with uh, the most multicolored you could be with Garth One-Eye. He costs Wooberg. Uh, he's a legendary creature, human wizard. And it says, tap, choose a card name that hasn't been chosen from among Disenchant, Brain Geyser, Terror, Siobhan Dragon, Regrowth, and Black Lotus. Create a copy of the card with the chosen name. You may cast the copy. So that's a lot of things that you can do with him. He... Uh, I think that when they made him, they were kind of going for like a he. What do you What do you need right now? Tap him, and you can get something that will help you there. If you need mana, tap him, Black Lotus. If you need a creature, Siobhan Dragon, stuff like that. Like some of these cards, I don't even really know off the top of my head. I'm sure they're staples, but I don't personally know them because I'm dumb. This is essentially Wizard's way of reprinting a Black Lotus without actually reprinting Black Lotus. Garth, for your knowledge, Tim, was, like, original, like, OG character from the first Magic the Gathering novel, right? And so all the cards, all the things he has right there that he can summon are original alpha cards, right? So this is a big callback to that period of Magic, and I am all for it. I think it's really neat. I think when I initially saw this, we had, we had a, you and I had a very long discussion about the wording of this. Um, I'm still not entirely convinced that the wording, I, I understand like the, the way you put it, I think you're right. But I think the wording for someone who is newer at magic 
could like it gets very confusing because you're always told when you start read the card which is a nice way of saying rtfc uh, we're family friendly show so i'm not going to say that read the fudging card (laughs) nice yeah see family friendly um but when i read this what i think is it says choose a card name that hasn't been chosen from among that list so I think if you play him, he dies, and you bring him back, like if he's a commander, then you can't cast those again. To me, it sounded, immediate, like the first time I read it, like you get to choose it once, you tap him, and you play it. Because it does, like it says, pick a name that hasn't been chosen. It doesn't say the last time this card was cast. It doesn't say this turn. It just says that hasn't been chosen. To me, that sounds final. You and I had a long discussion about it. I agree with you. That I'm sure the rules, indi- like, are, like there are rules saying... If he leaves and comes back, it like resets his whole thing. However, doesn't really read that way to me. So that's why this guy is going to work really well with Blink. I'm yes. sure everyone listening has heard or has seen on Reddit the the current working theory or the current working plan with this guy. You have a Dead Eye Navigator with him. You have something that gives your creatures haste, and then boom, you make infinite Black Lotuses, which gives you infinite mana, which gives you infinite Shivan Dragons. It's a it's a really really good combo. So I love that he is a throwback. To the old days of Magic, I think he is very much... I, I, I mean, I don't expect to see him played in a modern deck. Um, but I, I think he's really cool. I think he'd be a lot of fun. I, I, I like the idea of him, right? You know, And he brings a ton of utility. You need to kill a creature? Cast Terror. You need to get a blocker? Cast Shivan Dragon. You want mana? Make a Black Lotus. So he, he brings a lot of utility. Uh, yes, he does. When you flicker him, or when you... When you exile and return him, like with an Ephemerate or a Dead Eye Navigator, he resets so you can do whatever action again against Tim's heavy concern. It just doesn't read that way. I'm just saying that. (laughs) But that's just how it works. Yeah, I know. Trust me on that. If it said that hasn't been chosen this game, but because it doesn't say this game, then you can do whatever you want. As long I mean, obviously, if you tap him, you have to blink him to get the other things again. And I think the reason I struggle that that's to me is a confusing concept for for someone who's who's pretty new because you think like like I said if you if you just put showed this card to somebody and they had a basic understanding of magic I feel like that's probably what they would think if you were to play it again and then tap it for a black lotus they'd say well you you cast a black lotus but we don't need to get we had this conversation we don't we don't need to get into it again. I think he is cool. I don't think I have the same affinity like you do because I didn't play it. I didn't know who Garth was. I didn't know it was a throwback. Really all I I thought when I saw it was oh cool, they're bringing Black Lotus back. Yeah. And they're not making a Black Lotus token. Come on guys. Make yeah. the token. What the hell guys? What the, make the token guys. Come on wizards. He doesn't seem broken at like first glance, I guess. Because, yeah, you could blink him and make infinite black lotuses, but you have to give him haste if you want to do that the turn you cast him. He's a five-color card that you need a three-card combo to really pop off with him. Yeah. So, is he balanced? Probably. Yeah. Is If I see someone make infinite black lotus against me, am I going to be upset? No. I think it's going to be pretty cool. They better be whipping a real black lotus out. Yeah. They- <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> don't you dare come to my table without a Black Lotus and this yes. card. Unsleeved. <laughs> oh, yeah, you can't sleeve that card. The sleeve- right? You gotta let it breathe. You gotta let it breathe. Exactly, it'll it'll rub off the artwork. Don't actually listen to us, guys. Yeah. <laughs> don't actually do that. Listen up, kids. If you get a Black Lotus, don't sleeve it. Oh, God. <laughs> and that's the end of our podcast. We're never being sponsored. <laughs>
All right. So that's it for Garth. Tim, how do you feel about Elder Dragons? Yeah. Beh. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of them. Oh, didn't you just build a dragon? <laughs> didn't you just build the eldest dragon? I did. I built the... Oh, yeah. Our listeners don't know. I surprised Chris. We talked about it a couple episodes ago where I was like, we were talking about uh, our favorite strategies and I talked about big beefy creatures being a strategy and it is a viable strategy, Chris. But I said I should just build a, an Ur-Dragon deck. And at the time, like when we were recording that, in my head, I was like, <laughs> I have one. <laughs> you dastardly Dan. Yeah. So I built it. I did it. My dreams became a reality. And just to fill people in, I didn't put any of the fetch lands in it. And honestly, I don't feel too starved for mana. The triomes, the the um, three mana lands that come in tapped. Yeah, they come in tapped. They're not great. Fetch lands would be better. But I don't really, I haven't played a game where I was like, ah, crap. I just don't have the mana that I need. Yet. Yet. I'm sure it'll happen. But that being said, I've played plenty of games in like where I have green and I have access to ramp and I can't ramp because I didn't draw enough lands. <laughs> like, it's, do, you have, do you have the shockies in there? Uh, I don't have any shocks yet, but I did get the secret layer. So I probably will put the shocks All of in them. Yeah. <laughs> um, All of them. Yeah. Every shock land in there. I, d- I have a lot of the ones that say like if you have multiple opponents they come in untapped and those are pretty nice so yeah anyway so the elder dragon we're referring to is Piru the volatile it is two two red two white two black for a seven seven elder dragon it has flying lifelink at the beginning of your upkeep sacrifice Piru the volatile unless you pay red white black and when Piru dies it deals seven damage to each non-legendary creature Oh, this is going to pain me to say it. It doesn't seem that great, in my opinion. It's not like it's a big, beefy dragon, and that's never a bad thing. But there are just better, big, beefy dragons. Uh, there are cheaper. So this is this is a throwback to the original Elder Dragons. Each of the Elder Dragons, Tim, had a upkeep cost like that. Oh, they did? Like, I didn't um, know that. Yep, yep. Chromium, Nicobolus, all of them. Mm-hmm. They all had an upkeep exactly like that. Mm-hmm. So this is very much a throwback to that. Yeah. I think it's pretty neat. I think seven damage to each non-legendary creature is awesome because think of, think of things, you know, you could do some cool stuff, right? Like copy. You make a copy of Piru. It enters the battlefield, sees that Piru exists, immediately dies, blows the whole board up, except for Piru because it's a legendary creature. It's a good, like, it's a good deterrent. It It definitely is... It is cool, and I, de- I definitely think it's, like, a good card. But why would you throw this in a deck other than that, uh, what's the name of that that other dragon? Like, Shirayu, the Falling Star, or something like that? Ryusi? Right, yeah, Ryusi. So one of the nice things you have with Piru is you can choose not to pay the upkeep, right? With Ryusi, I could just not target it. True, yeah. A lot, it's a lot easier to have Piru die than Ryusi die. That That is correct. Yeah, you, you've got a board wipe and then you've got a choice to wipe the board or keep him on there. And think of this, when Piru dies, all that damage that Piru is doing is lifelink. Oh, it is, I thought it was combat damage for mm-hmm. lifelink. Mm-hmm, brother. Oh, okay, okay. Why do you think Walking Ballistas and Walking Ballista Heliod works? Oh yeah, I guess yeah, I guess that's not combat damage. Right? Yeah. You you got a you got an opponent that has a two hundred squirrels on the battlefield and you blow a Piru up. What's seven times two hundred? Fourteen hundred? Yeah. <laughs> that's a lot of life. Sounds like someone's got a nice Aetherflux reservoir. Yeah, that's true. 
That's a good point. Yeah, I didn't really, I didn't think about the lifelink. Yeah, okay, he's growing on me. He's gonna go and <laughs> he's gonna go in my big meaty claws deck. That's right, right. He's a really good deterrent for tokens because you could pop him at any time on your turn, mm-hmm. right? And the only real way to stop him from exploding is to exile him. So sure, there's obviously targeted exiles and things like that, but he, I think he's actually pretty darn good he, because of that that lifelink. He, I think he is good. I, I, he is growing on me. Now, I will pose the question, though. Would you use him as a commander, or is he just good in the 99? Because I kind of see him... If you're using him to, as a board wipe and to gain a lot of life, he's going to get to be a very expensive commander very quickly. That's true. Like, maybe maybe you, like if you're running your, your deck and you just want to bring him out for that, that bomb of wiping the board and then also just getting a crap ton of health, I could see... I could see that being good. I mean, he would be really good for exactly that. Like, he's if I play him and he's my commander, I'm going to play him with the expectation that I'm going to blow him up. Yeah, exactly. Right. He's a 7-7 seven, seven with... He's a flying lifelink 7-7. Seven, seven. So, yeah, he's a good creature. But really, you want to be using him as a board wipe. Pretty um, much. To me, that's, that's what I think you would do with him. Now, he is ineffective against other people's commanders. So, he's not a, he's not a full board wipe. But he is good, yeah, like like definitely good against a token deck. Um, definitely good against you know that green player who's just got a crap ton of mana dorks on the field. Like yeah, he he's definitely got his uses. I don't know. I, then you'd really just be building whatever deck you want around him in those colors, and then just saving him to be like a board wipe essentially. I mean, yeah, I I, I guess he he seems. I guess he'd be interesting. He seems situational. Yes. Yeah, he, I, mean, I think in a, in, a, in a format that is rife with legendary creatures, he seems situational. Yeah, very so maybe, much so. Maybe he is better in the 99. Yeah. I think he, like, the more I read him, I think I definitely want him in my dragon deck, but I don't think I would be building a deck around him. All right, moving on, Tim. You got the next one? Yes, I do. We've got Lonis Cryptozoologist. She is, uh, she costs green and blue. She's a legendary creature, a snake elf scout. Whenever another non-token creature enters the battlefield under your control, investigate. And then you can tap and sacrifice X clues. Target opponent reveals the top X card of their library. You may put a non-land permanent card with mana value X or less from among them onto the battlefield under your control. That player puts the rest on the bottom of their library in a random order. I... She's interesting. The investigate... Making the clue tokens. I don't see that a lot, personally. Not That's not something that's common, but I think there's a lot of upside to here. Clues are way better than you think they are, right? I think that there's a lot of... I think she has a lot of value, right? Obviously, clues are great because it does give you the draw. And with her ability, that's almost like a villainous wealth on a commander, right? Granted, it's only one, and it's extra less clues but your idea of this the idea of this deck is to make a ton of stuff right make a ton of tokens or not tokens um make a ton of creatures right and you want to probably replicate the tokens so you're looking at things like um doubling season the new commander uh adrix and nev mm-hmm. from strixhaven you know you're making a lot of tokens you're making a lot of constructs you're making a lot of clues I, th- I think that there this is an interesting way to take simic it's not something that simic really has so it's a cool take on what Simic can do. And I think there's going to be a lot of really interesting decks based around this. I think what I like most about it is, finally, 
cryptozoology is getting the representation in magic that it always deserved. I can't tell you how many times I thought, you know, look at this card. It's, oh, cool, another dragon. Where are cryptozoologists at? You know, where's their card? (laughs) Where's their commander? Right. Representation is important. Yeah. So this is a big win for the cryptozoology world. You're right. It is. I mean, last year we got an amphenologist. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Let's start. Let's start representing every obscure scientific background. Yeah. Where's, where's our theoretical physicists? Yeah. Where's our ornithologists? You know, we have ornithopters, but we don't have the people that study them. Exactly. Exactly. You have you have their creations, but not their minds. Other than that, other than the big obvious win for cryptozoologists everywhere. Yeah, she does seem pretty good. Like she clue tokens are good. What is it? Tireless tracker. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, he would be very good in that deck. Anything that makes clues, obviously, you build around that. Anything that gets you extra tokens, that's obviously good. Like you said, the commanders from Strixhaven. Um, uh, the new card, actually, that they're printing, uh, Academy Manufacturer from Modern Horizons 2. If you would create a clue, food, or treasure token, instead create one of each. So that would work really well with her because you can make you can make other things. It doesn't necessarily have to be a food you know a clue you can make a food and get a clue i think i would play cards like tamio's journal or panharmonicon where i'm just making a ton of clues because the the big thing about this right is you want to be able to cast whatever you reveal from your opponent's deck right yeah so if you if you only have three clues and you you flip up a a, a pelucranos unchained right and they and you don't have the mana for you don't have the ability to, to cast it then that's a waste. Yeah. The nice thing, though, about her, I like the fact that she can she can activate that ability on your opponent's turn. It's like you play her, right? She survives a round. You, you sack a bunch of clues. At the end of your opponent's end step, or at the beginning of your opponent's end step, you do her ability. You get your opponent's cards. Boom, they're ready to roll next turn. You are, I mean, you are limited to how many clue tokens you can make. Yeah. So, like, you can't be doing it on everybody's turn, even if you had, like, a Seaborn Muse or something. You'd run out sure. of tokens real quick. But, yeah, you're right. You could do that. And remember, her ability says whenever another non-token creature enters the battlefield under your control. Yeah. So, we don't want to... I think the best thing we want to do in this deck is just make a ton of dorks. Yep. You know, low-cost creatures that have some kind of flying, some kind of evasion or some kind of whatnot. Mm-hmm. Elvish Mystics and your Land of War Elves. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like I, I think she's good. I think the the clues and investigating is a is a fun mechanic that I I really don't see all that often. Uh, but I, I think you're right. Like it's definitely, I think it's a good strategy. I just don't I just don't see it all that often. I, maybe there's not an, a lot of things that investigate. There's not. So it's a mechanic they should really bring back more. Mm-hmm. All right, we are we good to move on? Yeah. All right. So that about does it for Lonus cryptozoologist thank you wizard for some good representation mm-hmm. the next legendary creature we're going to talk about is general ferris rokirik he's one red white for a 3-1 human soldier hex proof from monocolored and whenever you cast a multicolored spell create a 4-4 red and white golem artifact creature token this very much seems like a limited bomb to me but i'm not sure how it would do in as the commander right number one it's boros it's lore hold i don't know what are we supposed to call them now uh, i think it's gonna stick with boros i don't think Probably. we're gonna 
change it to I think it's gonna be Boros, right? So it's Boros. Yeah. Right. You're not gonna be having that many multicolored spells in Boros. I mean there are a decent amount, Boros Charm, a Kiri Line Slinger. But yeah, like I just I don't see this like cool. You you cast Boros Charm, you make a four four. What are you gonna do with it? I guess the nice thing is you have a bunch of outlets for your equipment, but that's yeah. it. Yeah. But you're all equi- a lot of equipment aren't there's not many I don't think there's any multicolored equipment. That's, so yeah, so you're very limited, I think, in this card. He's cool. He looks cool. I think you you want to play something like Hero of Precinct One that has whenever you cast a multicolored spell, create a one one white human creature token, right? Like I really think this the best thing you're gonna do is just try to shove whatever Boros multicolored cards you have into a deck and pray for the best. So to me, I don't I don't really think he's very viable. Yeah, yeah, I pretty much agree with everything you said. Like Boros. In in commander is not super strong. Like I really liked the Boros commander that they just like uh, Oz Ozgear. He I thought he was a very good addition, but this kind of seems like a in terms of a commander swing and a miss. I, I don't think you're really gonna run him as a commander in in any decks. Doesn't seem bad, but just really doesn't seem all that powerful. It'd be good in human tribal. Yeah, that's true. I'd probably put him in a Mardu. If you have like a human or a knight tribal in Mardu, mm-hmm. I think he'd be really good in there. Mm-hmm. But I don't think he would be very good helming a deck. No. So that one was quick. Yeah, right. <laughs> Tim, are you ready for our next one? Let's see if I can do this in under 30 seconds. All right. <clears throat> the next one we have up is Asmorano Mardikadistinadkuldakar. Uh, that's a name. They sure put their heads together, and everyone who pitched a name, they didn't want to hurt anyone's feelings, so they sh- they smushed it all together, and they made this this creature. Um, it is it does not have a mana cost at the top, uh, but it is in black and red, and it's a legendary creature, human wizard. And it says as long as you've discarded a card this turn, you may pay black or red to cast this spell. When Asmorano Mardekadistinakuldakar Enters the battlefield, you may search a library for your card, for a card named the Underworld Cookbook, reveal it, put it into your hand, then shuffle. And you can sacrifice two foods, target creature deals six damage to itself. So it sounds like this is a, like a, either a, a vengeful chef or a very inept chef that is just giving people Montezuma's revenge and (laughs) just making them crap their brains out and deal damage to themselves. (laughs) Oh my god, if you had told me that Asmorano Mardikadistiknakuldakar was the name of the demon, I'd have been like, sure, makes sense, that tracks, go on. But but that's the human wizard who was trapped by a demon named Vincent. What are you gonna do? She's <laughs> like, god, <laughs> damn you, Vincent! <laughs> This card is like a flavor win. I want to build this deck just for the story behind it. I don't know if it would be good. Probably wouldn't be good. Uh, f- no. Food tokens in, in Rakdos. I don't, does that happen all that often? I don't know. So really, what, the big thing that this card is going to give you is the Underworld Cookbook. Mm-hmm. Underworld Cookbook is another card that comes with Modern Horizon 2. Mm-hmm. It's an artifact for one. You can tap it and discard a card, create a food token. Or four and tap it, sacrifice the Underworld Cookbook, return target creature card from your graveyard to your hand. So right there, there is your food generator. Yeah. 
what she is meant to be in is madness, obviously. Mm. Um, so she's a she's a three three body for one, which isn't which is pretty darn good, right? And she brings with her a discard outlet for for one mana. So in general, that's a that's a really good card. Or it's a really good pair of cards for somebody like an Anjay. So making food is good. The sacrifice two foods is good. I mean, you're going to be discarding a lot of cards with with madness decks. I would have her in the 99 of Anjay. I don't think she's going to be really good as the head. I agree. Although I do think, does she avoid commander tax? Good question. I actually have no idea. It, it kind of reads like it does. Like, as long as you've discarded a card this turn, you may pay black or red to cast this spell. I don't think that's any reason to build her just to avoid commander tax. Like, that's really not a good reason. Especially if she doesn't do an ETB or anything, like, particularly. Yeah. She, I mean, sacrifice two foods, target creature deals six damage to itself. That's, I mean, that's good. That's not, like, a bad ability. But... No. The problem is, like you said, with... There's, there's, there's some amount of food generation in black. Red obviously has very little, if any. So once the Underworld cookbook is gone, she's pretty useless. Yeah. Asmorano Mardikadistinakuldakar. That was pretty good. That was pretty good, right? I think I could get That's it cool. if I said it like 80 times. Um, not that great. I, I, At least in terms of being a commander, not that great. I think she'd be cool in, in like you said, in a Madness deck. Um, but yeah, I think we can we can move on from her. Next up then, we have an, a fun one. It is Karth the Lion. For a two and a black and a green, you get a three-five human warrior. Whenever Karth the Lion enters the battlefield or a planeswalker you control dies, look at the top seven cards of your library. You may reveal a planeswalker card from among them and put it into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. Planeswalker's loyalty abilities you activate cost an additional plus one to activate. Tim, how do you feel about some Super Friends support? Um, Super Friends, I have heard and read on Reddit and and all these other magic websites uh, that it is a despised mechanic. I don't know why. I guess just because it's planeswalkers can do a lot of silly stuff and like do a lot of do a lot of things that like just can change the entire sweat like the the flow of the game. So giving them extra. A, like loyalty costs like even if it if it costs negative one it evens out to a net zero or if it costs plus one it is now a plus two like that's not as as good as some of the super friends decks like with atraxa and proliferate where you're just getting a plus one no matter what at the end of the turn um and then obviously all the other proliferate cards you have in that deck but it does seem very good like if you had an atraxa deck with super friends, I think he would be very good in it. He would. I would immediately include him in any super friends deck. Yeah. I would not helm a super friends deck because he's only in Golgari. Mm-hmm, exactly. But he would be in the deck. Yes. Yeah, I agree. I. Um. I didn't even. Yeah, that's a good point. In only in Golgari with a super friends deck, you probably want three or four color just so you can get a whole wide range of of planeswalkers. Yep. So, I mean, think about it, right? It makes all Planeswalker ults cost one less. Mm-hmm. It makes loyalty go up faster for the for the first abilities, typically. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the Planeswalkers from War of the Spark essentially make it cost zero, 
right? So there's a lot of upside to that ability. So he would do really well in a Super Friends deck. Yeah. Commander? Probably not. Yeah. Super Friends deck? Absolutely. Hit the nail on the head. He is insane in a Super Friends deck, not insane helming a Super Friends deck. All right, Tim, who got next? All right, we have Sithis, Hand of the Harvest. Costs green and white. It's a legendary enchantment creature, a nymph, and whenever you cast an enchantment spell, gain one life and draw a card. So it kind of sounds like a enchantment-based Tatiova, essentially. Like, you're, instead of landfall, it is enchantment fall. It's a good card. Like, that seems like a good card. They make Tatiova into an insane commander with just that ability, so, like, why not this? The only thing I think it doesn't have going for it is... Uh, it's colors it's in green and white it's in green so you got a lot of ramp it's in white so you've got a lot of like removal and stuff and there's a lot of good green and white enchantments so i i think it's a little limited on the colors for for an enchantment deck but it's definitely green and white are the two best for enchantment auras better than blue so lesnia you have mirari's wigs and a car resurgent aura shards sylvan library yeah, it's just... Enchan- Mothering yeah. Tithe, Wild Growth, Ghostly Prison, Oblivion Ring, Fertile Ground, Zendikar's Royal, Starfield and Nyx. Yeah, I, I had Aura stuck in my head for some reason. I don't know why. All right, well, anyway. I think this could be a very good straight enchantment commander. Like like I said, she's a Tatiova, Benelithic Druid, except she is for enchantments instead of landfall. And there's nothing preventing you from playing multiple enchantments next turn. You have, you don't need anything that says you can play an additional enchantment like Tatiova needs, where you need, you can play an extra land. So, I think I think she's pretty good. She's probably so far she's the most viable commander I think we've looked at. Yeah, I mean we're getting a lot of enchantment help, right? We're getting Enchantress Presence as a reprint, which is a great reprint. Um, there's a lot of already good existing enchantments in Selesnya colors. Felidar Retreat. Uh, what else we got? Uh, Guardian Project is very good. Ghostly Prison, Sylvan Library, Smothering Tithe, right? We got a lot of really good stuff that's going to help you up cycle through your deck. Mm-hmm. And you know, you play an enchantment, get a land. Play an, or play an enchantment, draw a card. Play an enchantment, draw a card. Draw is good. Mm-hmm. Always being able to draw is good. I think I think we're going to see some very interesting decks. Yeah. Similar to Tatiova. I don't think they're going to be at Tatiova power level because Landfall is a little bit easier to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we're going to see some very, very interesting decks with this commander. Yeah, I think I it, just think just thinking off the top of my head, I don't know how you really win with just straight enchantments, right? Like, I guess there yeah. there, there probably are some enchantments that are like win cons, and I just can't think of them. But especially like like comparing her to like a landfall commander like Tatiova. Landfall, there are so many creatures that, like, have Landfall on them, so when you play, you're not just getting her trigger, you're getting every creature that's in there, their Landfall trigger. So you you would need to build a lot of things that benefit from an enchantment being played. And I'm sure there are cards like that, so I, I think that we're going to see a lot of decks built with her. I just, at the moment, I can't think of, like, a win con with just straight enchantments off the top of my head. I don't know, if, if, if you know of one, go ahead and say because like I said, it's I think it's viable. I just can't think of one <laughs> right now while we're sitting down. Yeah, I couldn't tell you off the top of my head right now. I, I, they're really just good value, you know? Oh, yeah. It's an incredibly like, value like, card. Right, like you would want to put something like Karametra, Gotta Harvest in this deck. Because remember, you're in green. So even if you're playing enchantments, you can play enchantments that have landfall effects. You can still play creatures that have landfall effects. That's true. Yep. 
right? There's a lot of rampant green. It's green, right? <laughs> yeah. If I have to say there's a lot of rampant green, then we're talking to the wrong crowd. Mm-hmm. And white. So you can still get the benefit off of that, you know? Yeah. Andrew's Undercar, uh, Lotus Cobra, Rampaging Balas, Scoot Swarm if you're a monster. Yeah. Yeah, if you're yeah, a horrible so person. <laughs> if you're a horrible person and that likes to destroy games. It's really everything that White wants to be tacked onto it, right? Like, imagine if she was a like just a mono-white commander, and you were thinking of ways to make her better. Give her green and give her card draw, and then you've, you've solved White. <laughs> you gave it ramp and card draw. Yeah. It's like the two things it really wants. Um, life gain, nice, not really going to be making a strictly life gain deck with her. Would she go good in a life gain deck? Probably. But I I, I think she's good. I, re- I like her so far. I think she's... um. I think she has a lot of potential. I think we're going to yeah. see some really interesting decks made from her. Yeah. All right. Moving on. The next commander we have... Or the next legendary creature we have is Usury, Fortune's Flame. It's one blue-red for a 2-3 Efreet with flying... And whenever it attacks, choose a number between 1 and 5. Flip that many coins. For each flip you win, draw a card. For each flip you lose, Usury deals 2 damage to you. If you win 5 flips this way, you may cast spells from your hand this turn without paying their mana costs. Oh boy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh boy. Another... You buying up them Krark's thumbs? Yeah, I was just going to say another coin flip deck. Krark's thumb... Uh, I love it. It's, <laughs> I, it's so stupid and random. I love, like, it's, it's, it's perfect. <laughs> it's so dumb. So I love it. So silly. Yeah. If, like, if you could win incredibly low odds, just anything in your hand, just cast it. You've earned it <laughs> by pure luck. <laughs> I mean, I mean, there's obviously ways to change the luck, right? Yes. Like, yeah, like a Krark's thumb. Mm. I think if you put Krark's thumb in here. You have to put Krark the Thumbless in there. Maybe just reunite him with his thumbs. Yeah, I think I think he's a fun meme commander. Yeah. Yes. I think th- I think if you're gonna do Usury, you gotta go Chaos with him. Mm-hmm. I think he'd be a lot of fun as Chaos. I I don't know how viable he's gonna be. Right. I don't. Um, I don't think you can make a pure luck commander viable. You know. Yeah. Especially. Yeah, you can change your luck with like a Krark's thumb, but even then, Krark's thumb doesn't guarantee. Like it's you're just reducing your luck, or I guess reducing your chance by half, essentially. Mm-hmm. I think if it were me, I would probably put him in the ninety nine of a Zinderspilt or Ocon deck. Okay, so that's the partner commander from Battlebond. Mm-hmm. That they're the coin flip commanders. Okay, <clears throat> right? Ocon Eye of Chaos is a. 3-3 Cyclops Berserker. At the beginning of combat on your turn, flip a coin until you lose a flip. Whenever a player wins a coin flip, double his power and toughness until end of turn. Mm-hmm. And Zinderspilt is the same thing, just whenever a player wins a coin flip, draw a card. Yeah. Right? So you have both of them out. You have this guy out. You're flipping a coin ten, five times. And so you get the trigger off of Usury onto Okan and Zinderspilt. Uh, no, I don't think you do. It says if you've won five flips this way. What I'm saying oh, is every time you flip a coin yeah. and you succeed, Okan's power doubles. So oh, you immediately yeah. get five power attempts to double Okan's power mm-hmm. with that card. Yeah, yeah, So yeah. you three is great in the Okan Zender split deck. Gotcha. I, I thought you were going the other way with it, saying, like, if, if you flip a coin, you can use it 
essentially you're i thought you were trying to say you just have to win five coin flips no matter what that, oh no no no, no. Yeah, yeah. i mean like okay. if, if you i mean not only does usury also draw you a card mm-hmm. right yeah i i I will always, always say five to that because yeah. of the chance of drawing five cards. And two damage. Like that, that's crazy good. Two, two damage. damage. I'll take ten damage if I fail every flip. <laughs> that's, that's a lot. Although, Whatever. I gotta say, does Krark's Thumb... Yeah, I guess when Krark's Thumb, the way it works is you flip it twice and you just choose the outcome. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. You pick You pick one of the two. You just yeah. you get two choices instead of one. So if they're both tails, then, yeah, then yeah, you, you lose. You both, lose. But. Uh, but you don't take four damage you just take the because you you're picking the tail right yeah correct yeah he's like i said or like like we've been saying he seems like a fun card uh if you were to build him yeah go chaos and he'd probably be pretty janky i don't think he'd be very viable if you're trying to get get sweaty with it uh but he's definitely super viable if you're trying to get weird with it what would you fill your hand up right like omniscience extra turn spells yeah exactly just pray that you get every flip yeah like uh come on I think he'd be fun. He definitely, also, yeah. He seems like not a, a not a super exciting. No, he, coin it, flips is just, coin flips are memey. Yeah, yeah, exactly. My Rakdos deck, it's it's great when it works, and it's not so great when it doesn't. All right, we got another fun one. Our next one we have is Zabaz Zabaz the Glimmer Wasp. It's one colorless mana for zero zero insect with modular one. And if a modular triggered ability would put one or more plus one plus one counters on a creature you control, that many plus one plus one plus one counters are put on it instead. For a red, destroy target artifact you control. And for a white, it gains flying until end of turn. Tim, how do you feel about a hardened scales for modular? I like it. <laughs> I think it's a. Uh, I think it's pretty interesting. Would you Works. be okay with your commander being a bug? I th- yeah, I'm definitely not against having a bug commander. I think he's a little niche because you like you're really only getting it with the modular triggered ability. Um, but he's got nice removal, um, and he's got he can give himself evasion. But I I like him, but not as a commander, and also like sure. not not that much. Like he he's good. He's like. He's a hardened scales one time, but if you've got artifact recursion, you could do it a little bit. You could do it more. So you definitely want a mirror retriever in there. But yeah, I don't think him being an insect, not not my issue with him being my commander. It's more, he just doesn't seem that useful as a commander. Although he is only one. So you, you could get a couple casts out of him before he really got too difficult to cast. Uh, but that being said, he is now also Boros. So, <laughs> so he's... Not not that great. I bet he would do really well in Ozgear. Oh, yeah, he would definitely Ozgear do. Ozgear the Reconstructor, mm-hmm. the new card from uh, Commander 2021. I think you'd be hard-pressed to find an artifact that doesn't work well in Ozgear, to <laughs> be fair. fair. True point, true point. Yeah. So, viability? Probably not there. Not not as a commander. Fun. Not as a commander. Fun bug? Yeah. Fun. Definitely a fun bug. <laughs> fun bug, fun bug. Yeah. Although he is a wasp, and I hate wasps. He's a glimmer wasp. Oh, does it, do they pollinate though, Chris? I doubt it's it. It's a robot. <laughs> so, exactly. So no. <laughs> I think we should move on to the next insect that I actually think is going to be fun. I want to play him. Yeah, I know. You're you've been very excited about this one. Yeah, and I don't don't get me wrong. I'm not thinking he's going to be like outlandishly broken or anything or even remotely broken. He just seems like the most interesting one that I've seen. 
You know, he's he's I don't I can't think of another card that really does exactly what he does. But um he is Grist the Hunger Tide. He costs one black green, uh legendary planeswalker Grist. As long as Grist the Hunger Tide isn't on the battlefield, it's a one-one insect creature in addition to its other types. Uh, his plus one ability says create a one-one black and green insect creature token, then mill a card. If an insect card was milled this way, put a loyalty counter on Grist and repeat this process. His minus two ability says you may sacrifice a creature when you do destroy target creature or planeswalker. And his alt is minus five. Each opponent loses life equal to the number of creature cards in your graveyard. So, obviously you build him insect tribal. <gasps> yeah. Um, there was a lot of debate when he first got released as to whether or not he could be a commander. And I think they've, I'm pretty sure wizards came out and said that, yes, he can be a commander. Um, and I think the debate was around the rules committee said that he could be, yeah, the rules committee, the debate was around, I guess, as long as Gris the hunger tide isn't on the battlefield, it's a one, one insect creature in addition to its other types. I, to me, that sounds pretty cut and dry. Like it is a one, one insect creature in addition to its other types i think that's that's the part because he's not a legendary insect creature but he is a legendary planeswalker insect creature so people were arguing that it's outside of the game right so like when he's in the game he's an insect creature but like when you're building your deck people were trying to say that you don't take that kind of stuff into consideration but on the commander we allow things like relentless rats Mm -hmm. right so card text does apply when you are doing the deck building which yes. is why the rules committee essentially said that yes, he can be your commander. Yeah. Okay, that makes I get I kind of get what they're saying, but but at the end of the day the rules committee said he can, so he can. I I think it's really cool. It's kind of an interesting almost like planeswalker ability stormy type thing like you plus 1m create an insect and then mill a card and if you mill an insect, you put a loyalty counter on him and then repeat it again. So you could you could plus essentially your whole deck him, I guess technically. That would be bad. It's a lot of insects. That is a lot of insects, and obviously, you would have, running a deck like that would be stupid. <laughs> but oops, uh, all bugs. Oops, all bugs. <laughs> I put five lands in this deck. <laughs> I, mill, I, I, I mulligan until I have three lands. Yep, uh, three of the five. Yep, um, five lands, ninety-five bugs. Five lands, ninety-five. I mean, if you had the the hand for that, turn one, like say you just drew, you had three lands and you drew them all in your starting hand turn three you're you're storming <laughs> no one's gonna catch up to you you yeah, just until you deck yourself does it say you may and repeat this yeah you would deck yourself never mind <laughs> <laughs> well it's okay because you mill you, you mulligan till three lands mm-hmm. so there's still two more lands in there that exactly so eventually you'll hit the land <laughs> eventually and then you've got like 80 <laughs> bugs on the <laughs> 80 one one bugs genius yeah so he's obviously uh he's a little I don't think he's going to be overpowered, but I I really yeah. like it. I think it's cool, like just milling and making a bug and then doing it again, you know, rolling your luck, seeing what happens. It's going to be interesting to see if Wizards uses this kind of keyword, like the, like the static text, to allow Planeswalkers to be commanders. Because what this does, if you have him in the 99, you can fetch him. You can do like, you know go get target creature card. Yeah. There's a lot of cards that will let you do that. Yeah. There's not many go get, like you can demonic tutor a planeswalker. Sure. But there's a lot more. He works. Yeah. He works with protean Hulk. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of really cool ways, you know, if he's in your 99 to get him out. But I think sure he could be an interesting commander, 
I don't know if there's enough insect tribal <laughs> to support it. Scoot swarm. Scoot swarm. There we go. Just <laughs> good lord. Yeah, I I agree with you. I think he is not necessarily good. I don't I I don't want to say that he's bad. I feel like he could be built well, but he's definitely not going to be broken. But he to me is the most interesting. Like the fact that he had this whole uh controversy around him being able to be a commander i think is cool like you said it opens up a lot of avenues to make other planeswalkers in the future commanders and then the fact that i can't think of any other planeswalker loyalty abilities that say add add, not only add an additional loyalty but then just keep doing it right like with this Mm -hmm. potential to really you could you could get him up to alt for the next turn immediately granted his alt would not be that good that early you would only have three that's why you gotta mill 95 insect cards yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) but you could all you could have him ready to be ulted i mean if you have a really explosive turn you could have a crap ton of insect tokens and then on top of that you could ult him the next turn even if people are trying to ping him down like he's you're probably gonna have at least five if you play your cards right now imagine imagine him with a doubling season on the board you make two insects every time see Mm. He could be good. I think I like him. <laughs> I, I want to make him. Good luck. I, you know what? Challenge accepted. All right. Well, we got one more left, and it's the good one. It's the one I'm sure everyone's already heard. It's the one everyone's super excited about. I know I'm excited about it. We have Chatterfang Squirrel General. Two and a green to make a 3-3 Squirrel Warrior with Forest Walk. And... If one or more tokens would be created under your control, those tokens plus that many 1-1 green squirrel creature tokens are created instead. Then it has black, sacrifice X squirrels, target creature gets plus X minus X until end of turn. We finally, finally have a multicolored squirrel legendary creature. And I gotta tell you, I think this looks like a really fun commander to play. A lot of people are obviously just going squirrel tribal. I think... The best thing to do here is just straight up go token tribal. There's a lot of really good cards out there that make a ton of tokens. You're looking at Avengers Endicar. You're looking at, heck, Grist, what we just talked about. I was just about to say, yeah, you're looking at Grist (laughs) the longer time. Talk about Grist. (laughs) Um, They obviously made a ton of new good squirrel cards to go into this set. Chitter Spitter. Right, Tolski is fun. Squirrel Mob. Squirrel mob, yeah. Literally, yeah. Scoot Swarm. Scoot Swarm is really good, right? Yeah. Again, Scoot Swarm is great. Yeah, if Because for every time you make a token of Scoot Swarm, you make that many squirrels. Yeah. If you're a horrible person, you will put Scoot Swarm in your squirrel tribal deck. Yeah. Or token right. tribal. Right, are really good. Thalids. Just a really good way, you know, you want and, and this deck probably wants parallel lives. It probably wants doubling season. What token deck doesn't want doubling season? But it just, it just, it looks like fun, you know? And then you could sit there and use your squirrels as deterrence anytime Tim plays a creature. I just kill it, right? Regardless of if it's indestructible or not, because it's a minus X ability. So great. I have, darn, you have Emrakul on the battlefield. Well, I have 13 squirrels. Yeah, you take just down. Like, just like magic intended. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> just like wizards intended. Yeah, Emrakul, this like, this unimaginable eldritch horror type god like creature getting taken down by 15 squirrels. That's it. That's all you need. <laughs> That's all you need. Just some squirrels. Just some squirrels. 
I, I'm really happy. I mean, I, I get, right, like, why no people didn't really want that many squirrels in the game, right? Magic is more of a serious style of game with their lore and their and their cards and stuff. But I really like this card. I think that, I think I've basically told myself that if I'm going to build a, a, a commander or a deck out of this Modern Horizons 2, it's going to be Chatterfang. I'm that kind of person. But I think I think there's a lot of upside. Is it deck going to be probably expensive? Yeah. I mean, we'll see. We'll see what I come up with. But I, I'm pretty much going to go token tribal and just use those tokens to, to pay off. I think the at the at the time of recording, the biggest thing I think against Chatterfang is a lot of these cards are right now being priced pretty expensive. Um, doubling season will never not be expensive unless they reprint it a bunch of times. Like the all the squirrel cards coming out, all the squirrel cards that are existing just shot up the second <laughs> the second he got announced. So I think he could be really cool. I think it'd be a lot of fun just overrunning people's creatures with squirrels. But I, I do kind of get... I, I go back and forth with the whole mentality of, like, magic is a serious game. Why do we have these squirrels that could take down something like an Emrakul? And, like, I get it. But also, at the same time, like, the, the whole idea behind magic is infinite planes and, and things that could happen. So why couldn't there be a squirrel that could destroy? I look at like him. He's, he's running down a tree on two feet. Yeah. Or running up a tree on two feet. Like, that's a powerful squirrel. Yeah. Actually, that squirrel does squats. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's no way that squirrel does not lift. Right. Like, he is. That's a buff squirrel. I mean, he's a general for a reason. Yeah. And, of course, they just, they made him Golgari in, like, the, the best way possible. Not, like, making his mana cost have black in it, but just an ability. Just getting rid of a crap ton of squirrels to take somebody out. I love it. Yes. I think he's a good card. I really like him. He's, I really like him too. I think that's why we saved him for last. I knew I knew that he was going to be a very hot card to mm-hmm. build, right? So there's a reason why he's pre-selling for so much. And yeah, I mean, obviously people are taking advantage of the fact that it's a squirrel. Everyone's super excited for a legit, a legit squirrel commander. Tolski was fun, but Tolski was very linear. Mm-hmm. But Shatterfang, I think, is going to give people a lot more options yeah. on how to build. So Chris... Putting, we'll put Chatterfang aside because it's, it's pretty. The question I'm about to ask you, it's pretty obvious he'll, he'll be involved. But give me your, who do you think is going to be the most built commander, and who do you think is going to be probably the best built commander? I think you'll see a lot of Sithis, Hand of the Harvest, the enchantment creature. Yep. I think you're going to see a lot of her. I think that being able to draw for enchantments is really nice, and there are a good amount of enchantment you know style wins. I think the best you're probably going to see, I mean, it's probably cheesy, but I think you'll see a really good Garth will be very good. Um, I think he has a lot of potential because a lot of those cards are really good. I mean, like, who doesn't want to make infinite Black Lotus? Yeah, that's right. true. Um, I think the person we're going to see the least of is probably General Ferris Rokirik. Really, you think? As, as, a, as a commander? I, I gotta go. I think Asmorano Mardik. I just don't see any reason why you would build that as a commander. I think that she has more meme potential. So people are going to build her for the meme. Okay. I can see the meme potential is a strong, strong potential. Yes. So I can see that. I think the, the most built is probably going to be, or sorry, best built, I think is probably going to be Sithis, Hand of the Harvest. 
I feel like she's got a lot of potential. She's not very flashy, but she's just so, such good value. And like enchantments aren't a, a huge competitive deck type, but she's just she just got has so much going for her. Like plus one life, draw a card. Every enchantment you play, it's in green. You can play a lot of enchantments in green just by sheer nature of having that many enchantments and that much mana. Um, I think she'll probably be the best. We'll probably see some pretty competitive decks built from her. I think we're going to see, going back to the meme potential, I think we're going to see a lot of the Grist, the Hunger Tide. Just he had a lot of, he had a lot of PR come out, like when, you know, when he was, yeah. he had the controversy, essentially, of can he be a commander? And now people are going to say, yes, he can, so I will. Um, but I think you're right. I think Garth is going to be probably up there. He could be very competitive, especially when people break the infinite combos like they're like they're going to. Oh, sure. He's Wooberg. So you literally have everything available to you to, to make him broken. So cool. Yeah. All right. Well, I think I think that about wraps it up for Modern Horizons 2 Legendary. I know this is a longer episode than the first couple, but thank you guys for tuning in. If you like what we're talking about, if you want to be a part of the conversation, send us an email at casualcommandercast at gmail.com. We are on Twitter at EDH but casual. We're on Facebook and uh, obviously like us on any podcast. Join our Discord. Uh, we're happy to talk magic with anybody at any time. So please come join the conversation with us. All of our links are on our Facebook page, Casual Commander Podcast. So uh, that's it from us. Thanks again for listening in. I'm Chris. And I'm Tim. And this is Casual Commander. See you guys.